0: Hello, I'm Laura Engel. Welcome to Fox News Investigates, a podcast dedicated to showcasing stories uncovered by the investigative unit here at Fox. Today, we're going to begin a multi-part series on charges of sex abuse committed by the police in Louisville, Kentucky. A warning that some of the material you're about to listen to may be disturbing and may not be suitable for minors. Before we begin our stories, it's important to note that two of the officers involved in this case have pleaded guilty to sex abuse charges. The civil litigation that brought the scandal to light is still ongoing, and Louisville is still trying to heal. Our reporting is based on court documents and interviews with victims, local politicians, reporters, and attorneys. Fox News has reached out to all parties central to the story. Some chose not to respond. Now, here's more from our reporter, Andrew Kuyper.
1: Our story begins with the Youth Explorers program in Louisville, a mentorship opportunity for teens who aspire to careers in law enforcement. They're explorer chapters across the nation, but some say this golden opportunity in Kentucky held a dark secret and became a nightmare of abuse, intimidation, and shame at the hands of Louisville Metro police officers.
2: He would, it was on a regular basis. He would ask for nude photos, ask for me to come over, all sorts of things.
1: In this first installment in our series, we'll detail the allegations of abuse by the Officers Against Youth Explorer cadets. We'll hear from lawyers, local politicians, and alleged victims. Additionally, in the final days of our investigation, five new Explorer lawsuits were unsealed. Due to the complex nature of those cases, we're devoting a fourth episode to investigating those claims at length. We'll also update you on all the litigation surrounding the scandal, and take a look at how the saga has roiled the Derby City's local politics. It's important to note, some of what's discussed in this podcast is graphic in nature. To start, we'll hear from the lawyer who filed the first lawsuits on
3: behalf of the former cadets. And you you take a young person who has been sexually assaulted, sexually abused, intimidated, who has gone so far to tell another officer, um, and nothing happens. David Yates is
1: a councilman and attorney in Louisville. In 2016, he was contacted by someone claiming to have been sexually abused by officers in the Youth Explorer program.
3: And and I had hoped that that it wasn't as large as it was, Um, but it was just a terrible secret.
1: Yates filed the first lawsuit that contained a striking number of allegations, including rape, destruction of evidence, and intimidation by Louisville Metro Police Department officers. We'll get into the details a little later on, but first, Yates' story about how he learned of the abuses.
3: Uh, it started, uh, an individual um, had spoken to me, and through my law practice I was con- contacted, um, well, eventually through a client, and um, let's again, I filed with NC in March 16,
1: N.C. was a Youth Explorer cadet that filed the first lawsuit against the Louisville Metro Police Department. Also, just to be clear, N.C. is not his real name. Due to the graphic and perverse details of the story, his identity has been concealed. Not long after N.C. came forward, more cadets disclosed graphic abuse to Yates. He could either take action or keep it to himself. For him, it wasn't much of a choice.
3: They had the data that they, you know, from, from their social media sites, the text messages and stuff um, from the individual abusers. Um, I think that the, their individual stories all collaborated with each other, pictures of the genitalia of the abusers that they had sent them.
1: The tipping point that led him to file suit was what he calls the inaction of police leadership to hold officers accountable for their abuses. Then there was the other
3: young lady, there was another case that was filed Um, but there was another situation, and the the media covered it, that she had reported what was going on. Um, They came to her home. um, They assured the parents that this officer would never be around. Um, Anyone, youth again, wouldn't be an officer. who's was going to be on the chief's desk. Yates named officers Brandon
1: Wood and Kenneth Betts the alleged primary abusers in the scandal. Also named were officers Curtis Flaherty, Police Chief Steve Conrad, Mayor Greg Fisher, as well as the Boy Scouts of America and Learning for Life, two parent organizations of the Youth Explorers program. I made multiple attempts to speak with Betts, Wood, and their lawyers about the ongoing civil and criminal cases against them. I even ran into one of Betts' attorneys in an elevator in Louisville. Despite all of this, they refused to offer comment or make themselves available for interviews. Additionally, multiple attempts to reach the Boy Scouts of America and Learning for Life went unanswered. To date, no one from either organization has responded to my emails or my calls. Similarly, attempts to speak with Flaherty, Conrad, and Mayor Fisher went unanswered. Fisher's staff sent a previously circulated statement about the abuse allegations, saying it's imperative that his administration must get to the bottom of these disturbing allegations. Flaherty's attorney, Lee Sittlinger, did tell me he expects the accusations of negligence, leveled against his client, to be dismissed in an upcoming hearing. Currently, Flaherty is named as a defendant in all seven civil suits filed by former Explorer cadets. His attorneys said he is innocent and ran a very safe program. The lawsuit alleges that NC was raped by wooden bets, acts the officers recorded on camera. It also accuses the former officers of tampering with and destroying evidence to cover up the abuse. NC's lawsuit was the catalyst that sent Louisville spinning. The allegations made by Yates in that lawsuit are what led to resignations, firings, investigations,
3: and criminal charges being filed against Betts and Wood. The trail a lot of them left through social media, through actually sending naked pictures of themselves back and forth. Um, The harder part was to show the cover-up, but that started unraveling
1: as well. Yates was a councilman for Louisville. He knew he would face pressure suing his own city so he brought tad thomas on as additional counsel thomas would eventually become lead attorney on all seven lawsuits after yates was forced to step away and how many victims have come forward in
4: total uh we've talked we've talked to a number um i would say gosh maybe a dozen or 15.
1: really yes and these are all did these all come
4: back to the same officers woods and bett that's uh, uh, there's a, essentially, yes, Woods, Betts, um, and uh, Schumann, I believe, is the third.
1: A third officer, Brad Schumann, is accused of misconduct. Unlike Betts and Wood, he hasn't been charged criminally and remains on desk duty for the Louisville Metro Police Department. We'll detail the allegations against Schumann in the fourth episode.
4: So it starts out with text messages, um, you know, uh, flirting, essentially. Uh, promising things in return. So, you know, in this in this particular case, my clients were promised things like ride-alongs or, you know, special treatment within the Explorer's program. You know, if you do this, I'll let you do this uh, sort of thing, quid pro quo.
1: Thomas said all the victims detailed similar patterns of behavior by the officers. They didn't ambush the teens. But steadily increased the pressure and escalated their actions.
4: It's pretty grotesque. You know, uh, yes, uh, you know, there was some non consensual sexual intercourse. Um, you know, uh, you know, there was a threesome, frankly, with you know, two of the boys uh, to the minors.
1: Take the case of CF, another plaintiff represented by Thomas. He said he and NC were raped by Officer Betts when they were just teens. He joined the Explorer program in 2008 at 14 years old. CF's story is previously unheard, and his lawsuit was recently unsealed. While he discusses abuses that happened to him and NC together, it's important to note that his lawsuit is separate from NC's. CF's story details graphic accounts of sexual assault and rape. The following audio may be disturbing to some audiences. Additionally, My voice in the following clips is a little quieter than normal. It's a result of the circumstances of our recording, and there's no need to adjust your headphones.
2: My father, my whole family, was always involved in public service. So he was a captain on a fire department. Uh, He was a police officer in, uh, in a city near us. So we were always... Involved with public services,
1: so you knew you met officers Betts and Wood very early on. Then, yeah, were they? Tell me a little bit about how they would interact with with the larger group.
2: The uh, officer Betts was kind of standoffish. He had his own group of people that he would talk to. He didn't really talk to the new recruits. Officer Wood was really friendly. Everybody liked him. He was really friendly. He, I mean, you could sit with him and talk about anything.
1: 34-year-old Kenneth Ryan Betts spent 14 years with the Youth Explorer program as both cadet and mentor. After allegations of misconduct arose in 2013, years before they would become public in Yates' lawsuits, he was allowed to resign in 2014 without any marks on his record. Former officer Betts went on to work in the Audubon Park Police Department and was a code enforcement officer for Rolling Hills until he was terminated in April of 2017. That same month, Betts was charged in state court with sodomy. Since then, Betts has pleaded guilty in federal court to enticement and child pornography charges. The judge on his case initially rejected a plea agreement that would have put Betts behind bars for 15 years, saying the sentence was too lenient. He's scheduled to be sentenced again in August.
2: After about a year or two, um, I'd grown to know the officers well. Officer Betts started texting me inappropriate things, and I didn't want to say anything about it to our superiors. He's one of the people that decide whether you get promotions, whether you stay with the program, things like that. So I just kind of went with it.
1: What would he text you that was inappropriate? Was
2: it was saying? it was beyond, like, friendly conversations. He would ask for nude pictures, ask for favors, stuff like that. Ask if I would want to go work details or do ride-alongs with him.
1: When did you feel like he had crossed the line and started to become a predator?
2: He would... It was on a regular basis. He would ask for nude photos, ask for me to come over, all sorts of things.
1: At this point, C.F. is showing signs of emotion. He's constantly tapping a foot and clearing his throat more often than usual. It's clearly tough for him to share his stories of abuse. Did you ever go over
2: Um, once when he picked me up.
1: And so he, did he pick you up at, at your house?
2: Yes. He picked me and and NC up.
1: And what I mean, what happened? So he picked you and another plaintiff up. Yes. And what happened?
2: So he uh, he had called and texted us saying he needed help moving paperwork from his office to his home. And of course, we were eager to help. He pulled up in his police car. And took us to his house. From there, we helped take in paperwork, boxes of things, and we started watching TV on his couch. And that's when he started to come on to me and NC.
1: How old were you two?
2: We were in the range between 15 and 17.
1: Did he give you any alcohol?
2: He, uh, he said the fridge was full of alcohol. And that's when he started to come on to us. And I was extremely nervous, didn't know what to do, who to call. So that's when I started drinking. And from there, he... Took us into his bedroom, and um, some messed up things happened.
1: Did he? Did he wait until you were were drunk to take advantage of you?
2: No, I had about two or three, and I had a buzz, and that's when he pulled us back into his room, started taking our clothes off, and kind of pushed us onto the bed, and. From there, it led on to him giving us oral sex and us giving him oral sex. And it led to him uh, penetrating me and NC. Uh, he took us back to our house about an hour or so after, and we, he kind of left us alone for a bit. Then after that he started back putting pressure on us. Hey, do you want to come over? Hey, can you send me more pictures? He kept on chasing us.
1: And did, did, I mean, how long did this continue? Did this kind of relationship continue?
2: It continued well after I got back from the military. Um, I came back to Kentucky about a year after going through my training and all that I came back and I was over 18 he would still continually contact me ask me for pictures ask me for favors he would ask me to come over and mess around with him and I just ignored him
1: you didn't tell anyone
2: about that, that night at his house? No, the only, uh, the only person I did tell besides N.C. was Officer Wood.
1: 32-year-old Brandon Montez Wood was fired by the Louisville Metro Police Department on April 13, 2017. In January of this year, Wood pleaded guilty to a felony attempted enticement of a minor charge. According to court documents, Wood met the teen at an explorer camp in Kentucky where he was working as a counselor. He pursued the teen over social media and attempted to coerce them into sexual activity. The charge carries a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years in prison, but prosecutors and Wood's attorneys have agreed to a five-year stint behind bars. The judge in the case agreed to a slightly longer sentence that will put Brandon Wood in jail for 70 months. And what did Officer Wood do?
2: Um, He told me we needed to talk with the higher-ups about it, and I told him I did not want to come forward with it. I was scared of what would happen.
1: Only after the lawsuits were filed would CF come to believe that Wood was involved in the alleged cover-up. What what did you think would happen if you came forward?
2: I would be shamed. Um, I would lose my spot on the department, my father would pull us out of all the extra activities that we were doing. I was, I guess, just scared of the repercussions of coming forward.
1: Did you ever, did you ever fear or feel like you could be hurt because of this? Did you ever feel fear of violence?
2: In a way, yeah. Kenny was really intimidating.
1: When did you become aware that, that this wasn't just bets that, that Wood was involved, that Flaherty had helped cover it up? When did you become aware of all of that?
2: I wasn't completely aware of the situation until it was completely brought to light about a year and a half ago.
1: When everyone started filing suit?
2: Yeah, when everyone was getting interviewed and we had started talking about what had happened with each other.
1: Does everyone have similar stories of how this happened? Does there seem to be a pattern there for the officer's behavior?
2: Yes. Um, A few of the other plaintiffs that were victims of him, who I've discussed, have told me that the same things happened to them. He would pressure them for nude pictures, and from there, it escalated.
1: And he's facing facing criminal charges now. Yes. Do you hope that he's prosecuted? Yes, I do. Another one of Betts' alleged victims shared details of his abuse in an exclusive interview with Fox News. Although he was a few years older than Betts and a fellow cop, he said the officer violently forced him into sexual acts. He requested to remain anonymous. We refer to him as Daryl.
5: Actually, um, Bets, I became friends with through social media.
1: When did you first hang out in real life for the first time as friends?
5: In real life, uh, at his home, we were we were just watching TV, and he got up. He said, "I gotta I gotta go pee or something." Well, he came back and sat down next to me on the sofa. Um, uh, you know, again, it was—it wasn't like we were right on top of each other or anything. So, I didn't think anything about that.
1: He's sitting on the sofa next to me. Yeah,
5: um, you know, again, the—the the, there were no lights on, just the TV light. Um, so, you know, at that point, I—I uh, wasn't really thinking consciously that something's wrong here. Um, but, you know, I thought, well, this would still almost felt awkward. So I was kind of, you know, just making conversation about things to go along. And he asked me a question about something. And by now, you know, I can talk if I need to. Um, so I started going off on this, you know, this subject or whatever. And I wasn't, you know, making eye contact with him. I was looking at the TV again. It's darker in there. Um, so I'm, I'm going through the story of whatever I was talking about and it was almost like the situation that I had been in before, um, where he took my hand and pulled it over, and uh, for lack of a better term, he was excited. We'll put it that way. Um, you know, that was it was it, it was. I, I don't even know the word to describe that other than than just shock. Um, you know so i i jerked away and you know just kind of made a joke about it like you know kind of trying to laugh it off and and uh, you know ease the tension or whatever that that i had going on um you know and i, I made a joke or something and you know about that time it was he was almost like you know like no really and pulled my hand back over but this time you know he had used his other hand to pulled the front of his pants down, and when he pulled my hand back over, he was exposed. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I and I don't remember the exact words that, that I said, or he said, you know, this has been a lot of years ago, but basically I I got up from the couch to walk towards the door. Well, he was, his side of the couch was almost closer to the door. Um, so I, I kind of got up off the couch and walked around, there was a like a coffee table there, and I walked around the coffee table towards the front door, and, you know, he had jumped up and got over there kind of before me and, you know, was like apologizing, like, kind of apolog- trying to apologize his way out of it, you know, that's, like, he didn't mean to do that or whatever, and, you know, but that time I was, at that point, I was, I knew I, I needed to go, so... I was like, you know, well, I forgive you or whatnot, you know, no biggie, no harm, no foul, but, you know, I really do need to start heading home, I, I, I thought, I think I told him I had something, I, I made up something to get out of there, um, and I don't know what came over him, because I'm a little, I'm a little bit taller than him, and then, you know, even our build, I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit bigger than he is, even in build, but I don't... It was just almost like a superpower came over him. He... He grabbed me, but... The way he grabbed me wasn't like... You know, two friends wrestling around. Like, he grabbed me in a force that was... Like you would grab a suspect that... That you had just caught fleeing from you. You know, you get him and you can't let him go. Um... But he grabbed me in that way. But... You know, and at that point, I mean, obviously, I could have I could have fought with him, but you know, again, you've got two seconds there and ten billion thoughts going through your head. That I don't know I don't know what what hit me, but I was thinking things like you know I don't want to get in a fight here, I don't want to tear up his house, you know we've we both know common friends and uh, you know just so many things, but. He he overpowered me and and pushed me down to the floor, like got me down to to onto my knees. Um, you know he had gotten I, I remember he had gotten a hold of my ear, but in such a way, pulling so hard that I literally thought he was going to rip my whole ear off my head. Um, and after leaving, I'm surprised it wasn't at least bleeding. But yeah, I mean he he had a hold of me in a way that I mean I I couldn't. Move any other way or else you know he had that kind of hold on me um but he um you know the way he had a hold of my ear and he was he was still exposed in the front of his pants um just like they weren't all the way down but he the front of them was pulled down um and um well we'll just say he yeah he he forced me um Yeah. Yeah.
1: He used physical force. But he used physical force,
5: and you know, it's the way he had a hold of my ear stunned me. First of all, I just didn't I didn't know what he was trying to do there. Um, But you know, he, as I remember, once he had me down to my knees, I had tried to move or or something. But I mean, he he gripped up and twisted that much harder. I was I was stuck.
1: And he forced you to have to have intercourse.
5: No, he forced uh, oral sex.
1: And were you were you scared in the, that moment? Did you feel like he could he could really physically hurt you, or or possibly even the, the way, way
5: he the way he, way he had the way, way he had, had a hold of my ear, um, you know, and he had grabbed you know because we were facing each other, um, but once he had once he had pushed me. He got me, in, in order to get me down, he, he kind of used one of his legs to unlock one of my knees. You know how you do when you used to go behind your friends at school and unlock their knees from the back. But he had done that to to my leg with, or to my knees with one of his legs. Um, but he had, there was such a grip on my shoulder and his other hand on the, on the other side on the ear and he was pulling so hard, um, but, the shoulder tactic was what he actually pushed me down with, but he was pinching so hard with that tension. I just, I didn't have nowhere else to go. Um, but yeah, he used, uh, it was, it was physical force. Um, um, we'll just say that it didn't last very long. You know, it was, it was quick. Um, you know, and once he Finished, um, he let go of my shoulder, but still had a hold of my ear because he knew I was probably I was gonna jump up and you know uh, one of two things hurt him or you know damage some things trying to get out of there.
1: After this ordeal, Daryl said Officer Betts shoved him out of his front door before bolting it behind him. Daryl drove home and didn't tell anyone what had happened. He said he was so distraught, all he wanted to do was erased any memory of that night. He thought it was all over until a year later when Betts contacted him again.
5: He popped back up on social media um, you know when it was it was there was there was a a really long sincere apology you know um, all that time. you know again I had blocked it out that whole time and hadn't you know just I thought you know just live and learn um, but you know there was he popped back up apologized um there was a you know we'll, not long after he apologized we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll say there was a another incident um that you know i was i, I was fooled into
1: you you, for, you forgave him when he apologized
5: yeah i was very compelled to believe that you know that he wouldn't do anything like that again. Um,
1: but he, but he did,
5: unbeknownst, you know, unbeknownst to me. In the back, you know, I was too forgiving. Um, but you know, it happened again. The um, this, the next time that it happened, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't in uniform or anything. However, his um, his duty belt um, was was close by you know with his service weapon you know in the in the holster um you know so there was obviously I was unarmed you know so there was a little bit more than just physical aggression there was you know there was a, a a bigger threat at that point he didn't threaten me with it per se but you know it's it's in the room it's very obvious it's right there it's Close to the doorway.
1: This time, Daryl said he was invited over to help Kenny Betts get ready for an event. He asked Daryl to help him pick out a tie, at which point he rushed him, forcing him to the ground much the same as he did before. Daryl admits he was too forgiving and maybe a little naive, but it was too late. Much like he had with the teen's innocence, Betts pounced
5: on Daryl's kindness. I just walked past his... his duty belt and his weapon there. And that's when, you know, he just kind of came out of the closet. And I mean, it was, it was very, very fast. Like there was no reaction time.
1: After, after that had happened, why why didn't you, why didn't you press charges? Did you think
5: about it? No. It was never an option to you? Um, at that time, no, you know, he's in law enforcement, you know, he's now a sworn officer um, with a large department no less, um, so a lot of friends, you know, I mean, I think it was it was a fleeting thought, you know, but at the time, again, who am I going to tell?
1: Darrell chose not to pursue a lawsuit, but said he hopes his story will bolster those of other victims. As we neared the end of our investigation, five more victims' lawsuits became unsealed. We'll detail those at length in the fourth episode of this series. In the next installment in the series, we'll untangle the web of cover-up and negligence that police and city leadership have spun around the scandal. I'm Andrew Kuyper.
0: Thanks, Andrew. We hope you have a better understanding of the scandal that embroiled Louisville. In the second episode, we'll untangle the allegations of cover-up and negligence that some say helped the officers avoid consequence for their abuses. Please stay with us for the next installment of Fox News Investigates. I'm Laura Engel.